The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about a potpourri of all sorts of privacy issues with one of my very favorite guests who we have to have on every year, He is the publisher of Privacy Journal, which I've been getting for many, many years. It's a wonderful newsletter. Let me tell you a little bit about Robert Ellis Smith, who's joining us all the way from the East Coast. Robert Ellis Smith is a journalist who uses his training as an attorney to report on the individual's right to privacy. And he's been doing this since 1974. He's he's published the Privacy Journal, and it is this monthly newsletter that I get. It's, It's on a computer age it's, a, it's all about privacy in the computer age, and he is based in beautiful Providence, Rhode Island. And interesting that he has been a frequent speaker, a writer, a congressional witness on privacy issues, and he's compiled a whole clearinghouse of information on the subject. Computer data banks, credit and medical records, the Internet, electronic surveillance, the law of privacy, and physical and psychological privacy. And you can find out, you can see his books and all, and his newsletter all at privacyjournal.net. He also, from 1970 to 73, Robert was the assistant director of the Office of Civil Rights in the U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. And before that, he had nine years of experience as a news reporter and editor with the Detroit Free Press, Trenton Times, the Southern Courier, and Newsday. And he has just done so many wonderful things, but I want to have the time to talk to him. So you can go to privacyjournal.net and also KUCI.org slash privacypiracy where you can see his picture and we link to his website. So that's really easy. So, Robert, thank you so much for joining us from beautiful... Rhode Island. Thank you very much. It's great to join you again, Mari. So let's talk about all these exciting things happening in privacy. How about what's happening with Facebook? The Federal Trade Commission has forced Facebook and Google and MySpace into enforcement agreements. Let's talk about the FTC's authority and why they're the ones who are doing this agreement. Yeah, they're all very similar, actually. Uh, The FTC is getting much bolder in its enforcement of uh, privacy uh, restrictions going after really the two largest companies on the Internet, Google and Facebook. In both cases, uh, they said that Facebook and Google did not live up to the privacy policies that uh, they proclaimed, and that is a violation of the federal law that prohibits deception in uh, marketing a product. It's not particularly a privacy law that they violated, but the FTC has said time and again that 
once you establish a privacy policy and you give it to your customers and to potential customers, you better abide by it. Otherwise, that's deceptive practice. And uh, just this year, they accused MySpace of doing the same thing. MySpace is kind of a dwindling uh, social media site. It's for mainly for younger kids. They like to move on to Facebook rather quickly. But anyway, uh, those three now, uh, all three operate under a requirement that they open up their books and their operations for 20 years to federal auditors to keep track of what they're doing and to make sure they're complying with the privacy policies that they post. I think they're very significant, these, these moves, not only because these are such large and influential companies and affect so many people, uh, but because it shows that the Federal Trade Commission really is serious now about going after companies that uh, don't comply with their own privacy policies. I mean, that really goes for all of us, that if we are not, if we have a privacy policy on our website, which in California you have to have a website with a privacy policy, that if you have that then and you don't follow it, you are in violation of the law. Your own, you know, your own uh, agreements with your customers and your clients are right there on your privacy policy. So even though we're talking about these big guys, if you are driving by and you have a business and you have a privacy policy, you better be sure that you comply with it, right? Yes, indeed. And the Federal Trade Commission has gone after some smaller companies as well. They're going after both of them. So uh, that's, that's very true. If you have a privacy policy, and in California you must, then you better abide by it. So let's talk about some of the privacy issues with Facebook. Tell us about that, Bob. Well, I was shocked to discover just recently that uh, Facebook can extract information from your uh, page and from your correspondence with other Facebook users and use that in advertising, uh, almost imply that you endorse a product. And that, of course, is a violation of a very uh, longstanding uh, privacy concept, privacy idea that's a part of the law in just about every state, namely that... Uh, Thou shalt not take information about somebody else and use it in an endorsement or an advertisement without their permission. And I'm really shocked that without permission, uh, Facebook does take information off users' um, uh, Facebook pages and use it in advertising. And they really are implying that those users, uh, simply because they use Facebook, endorse the product. In addition, uh, people have had a a real difficulty uh, Get, getting uh, information shut down once they decide to leave Facebook. And that should be elementary with a social media site that once a person decides he or she wants to quit, they ought to be able to quit and have their information uh, uh, discontinued as well. Uh, just two weeks ago, Facebook had a privacy vote. They asked the, all their users to vote on uh, which policy they preferred. And uh, Many of us thought it was kind of a farce because, at best, uh, only a tiny, tiny percentage of uh, Facebook users would participate uh, if, in fact, Facebook has the billions of users that it claims. Uh, we're not sure either. We've never seen that figure audited, so we really don't know how many users they have. But anyway, uh, I will concede that it, it's in the several million. And indeed, the privacy uh, poll uh, did draw participation only from uh, less than 1% of the uh, participants. Now, I hope Facebook and other companies don't, don't draw the conclusion that uh, that shows people don't care. In fact, the, the 
thousands and thousands of people who did participate do show that people do care because it was not easy to participate in a uh, plebiscite like that. And uh, most people are actually reluctant to participate in polls online. Uh, when they go online, they're determined to go to get what they want and not to uh, be distracted by polls and by uh, product surveys and the like. So uh, I don't think any of us should use it as an indicator of whether people care about privacy um, if they did or did not participate in that in that vote. But Facebook, just uh, like a lot of companies, uh, started off and designed their systems and then uh, were told about privacy later and had to redesign and refit privacy into, into their systems. And it's really been established in Europe and Canada that when you put it in, in the beginning when you design a system, privacy is cost-effective, much, much more effective for your users as well. And Canadians call the concept privacy by design. And, uh, finally, the uh, FTC has really endorsed uh, um, that concept. They, they included it uh, in their testimony to Congress within the last two weeks. Um, and uh, that was a, m a major landmark, I thought, that an American government official would actually endorse that concept of privacy by design. Yeah, and privacy by design even affects those people who are driving by. If you're starting a new company and you want to get a lot of new customers, you have to think ahead of time. It would be a good idea for you to get some information about privacy and what it means, privacy and security. Get a consultant to help you or someone. If you're starting a new business or a new technology, build in the privacy right away. That's that's what he's talking about. Bob is talking about privacy by design. And we've actually had on Kavukian on our show who kind of coined that phrase and really developed that whole concept of building it in. It's like, you know, before when you're trying to build a house, if you want to do all these add-on laters, it's a lot harder than putting it right into the architecture of the beginning. And so that's that's the idea of privacy by design. You know, Bob, there's some other issues about privacy on Facebook. And here we are. We sit on the campus of the University of California, and everybody is on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Of course, I'm extremely careful of what I put up there. But w let's talk about some of the other things that people themselves do that it's not even Facebook that does, but people themselves. Like, you know, people put up things, and then they're in a lawsuit, and they have a, a public a Facebook page and anybody can go and see it and that's that's a real privacy invasion too if without them even realizing that they're opening themselves up to some problems it is uh, it's hard to understand why people would want to put embarrassing photographs about themselves either under the influence of alcohol or half dressed or whatever but many people do and and they should know better because that information as i say is difficult to get removed once you decide to quit Facebook, and it it will become uh, known to others just beyond your circle of friends. We now have uh, a lot of employers and college and admissions officers who are getting access to Facebook material and, and using it to judge an individual. We have one state, Maryland, that has passed a law saying that uh, employers may not demand your uh, password to Facebook and other social media sites when you apply for a job or when you're up for promotion. There's disagreement as to how much this is happening in the workplace or in the university. In fact, in our last issue of Privacy Journal, we had an article saying that universities are not doing it very much. They've just got other things to do. Right. If, something, if something comes to their attention, 
they may well look at Facebook and uh, and draw a conclusion from it, but they're not screening every applicant through Facebook. There just aren't enough hours in the day to do that. Well, you know, it's interesting because the State Bar of California, after you take the bar, you know, after you've gone to law school and you've taken the bar exam, the uh, the State Bar has the right to investigate you for any kind of moral turpitude or just, uh, you know, are you the ethical kind of person that they want to even let have a, a license to practice law? So there has been some brouhaha about the fact that they can look at your Facebook and look at all your other social networking and they can look at any kind of investigation that they want. So that that's an issue. And and also the issue that we're seeing a lot of in divorces, people are, are getting into the Facebook of their spouse and, and using that to bring up in trial. And there was a case out here, Bob, in California where um, a juror was uh, on jury duty and putting up uh, postings about how, how bored he was and all these things on Facebook. And the the court wanted to see those face uh, to see if that case was, you know, really moot. In other words, if they had to have a retrial based on what this juror's misconduct was. So, you know, people don't think about it. They're they're on their smartphone and they're posting things and they they just don't realize that the whole world can see it and what the ramifications are. Absolutely. The Internet is not a private medium and Facebook is not a private bulletin board or mail service. And people really have to get adjusted to that. Right. Well, I know every year you, you look at the states with the strongest privacy protections. Why don't you share that with us? Be happy to. California, you'll be happy to hear, continues to lead the pack. It always has since we began doing this more than a decade ago. Yes. Uh, and we base it not just on laws that it has enacted, but court decisions and attitudes, and we subtract for negative occurrences that may come because of a court decision or a legislature's failure to act when it, when it should act. Um, as you probably know, there was a raft of pretty good legislation that came out last fall, and with the change in governors, uh, Governor Brown was willing to sign some uh, bills that uh, his predecessor was not willing to do. One of the most notable was California joined about six other states, five other states, uh, that prohibit the use of credit reports in the employment decision. I think that helps people a lot. I've never understood that uh, credit reports uh, in any way tell whether you're a reliable employee or not. And uh, at most they tell you that you need a job, perhaps, but they... Um, and they're filled with mistakes, as you, above everybody else, knows. And so why use this particular source to judge an employee? It's just not fair. And uh, for some reason, the West Coast leads the way on this. California, Hawaii, Oregon, and Washington uh, all have laws now that uh, restrict the use of credit reports in the employment decision. Illinois and, and Maryland also have them as well. Uh, the state toughened up its library privacy protections last fall, as well as passing a uh, genetic privacy law that even goes beyond the state law and goes beyond the uh, the federal law. Uh, Minnesota has always been a very close second and uh, and still is. Uh, some of the other states that lead the way would be Massachusetts and my home state of, of Rhode Island. Uh, that's because uh, you're there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, well, could be, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I twice now I have tried to introduce legislation that has been enacted uh, to protect privacy, and I'm trying to keep an eye on it. Oregon's good on privacy. Washington's pretty good on privacy. Um, so um, I, I think you ought to be pleased that uh, 
California leads the way. I, I hope that helps in getting more reform in California and that you don't hear from legislators that uh, the state's done enough and doesn't have to do more because it's in number one. Oh, I know. There, there was a, a thought by uh, Governor Brown to actually abolish the Office of Privacy Protection, which we've had now for 10 years, and, um, and that was because of the budget crisis that we have here in California. So hopefully... Uh, that won't happen. We're, we're just praying yeah, that that pretty, won't happen. I think it's a very cost-effective way to get consumer education and empowerment. These offices are not expensive. They have very few personnel, and uh, that would not seem to me to be the first place you'd want to go to cut costs. I know. We're, we're constantly writing letters to, uh, to support our California Office of Privacy Protection because a lot of the the push and the um, you know the collaboration with legislatures through that Office of Privacy Protection. So it's very important. So you were talking about that employers um, in, in those states, and, and especially in California now, um, can't use the credit report uh, for, you know, to, to decide about whether the person should be hired or not. And, you know, some of the things that we've seen, people losing their home, we've seen foreclosures, we've seen people having to file bankruptcy due to medical problems. It, it just isn't really fair. Although there is kind of a loophole that if you are going to be working with money in a financial industry, that they still have the right to get your credit report. So there is that one, That's correct. Yeah, that yes. one little loophole. But let's people talk can, uh, yeah. They can either call the, that state privacy office or the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse in San Diego to get information about the uh, exceptions or are a couple of exceptions. Exceptions there, yes. Right, right. So what kind of information can an employer get from an applicant? Well, um, people sometimes think that you can't get race or sex, but you can uh, for affirmative action purposes. Those should be asked for anonymously and should be asked for on a separate form. It shouldn't be part of the uh, employment form. Uh, But they really can't ask for age uh, except to find out whether you're over 18 and under 65 that's about it, you know, because there wouldn't be any affirmative action program based on that. They shouldn't be asking about religion. Um, and certainly under federal law, they cannot be asking about your marital status, whether you plan to get married, whether you're living together with somebody, uh, what your plans are about family size, whether you've ever aborted a pregnancy. All of those things are, are out of limits. Uh, and also the, there are... Uh, Restrictions, although not absolute prohibitions, and asking about uh, physical disabilities. Um, yes, the employer may ask about them, but only after there has been uh, a firm offer of employment, and it has to be uh, for the purposes of accommodating the uh, the applicant. Um, those are the the main things that uh, people uh, employers may not ask about. And in Maryland, now we know they may not ask for a a Facebook password, although that's not the law yet in the other states. Yeah, that's a good idea. Now, when you were talking about uh, medical, about, uh, you know, what their medical status is, let's talk a little bit about medical privacy and medical records. What's going on with the law with regard to getting my medical record and correcting my medical record? Yeah, well, we do have a federal law that's been in effect called HIPAA, now maybe seven or eight years, and it was just updated uh, in late 2008, uh, mainly to emphasize electronic records, but to also beef up the enforcement. The enforcement in the early years wasn't what it should be. It's enforced by the U.S. Department of Health uh, and Human Services. 
uh, one side of the law, which is not controversial and is, is, I think, worked well, is that it gives everybody nationwide a right to see his or her own medical record, and even to amend it, too, if there's something that uh, in there that you disagree with or you think it omits, you have a right to include that in, in a supplementary uh, statement. The other side of the law uh, is supposed to protect the uh, you from disclosures of your medical record, and you can imagine that's a little more tricky, and uh, there have been lots of exceptions to that general rule. Uh, the Department of Health and Human Services has now had a couple of enforcement actions against uh, medical facilities that haven't gotten the word that they now have to uh, provide uh, patient access. Uh, California's had it for years. My state in Rhode Island has had it for years, but there were about a fourth or or a third of the states that did not have that. So HIPAA was important uh, in giving uh, patient access to everybody. Um, So that's the place to look, HIPAA. Now, uh, generally, access and disclosure of medical records is governed by federal law. Right. And and we have uh, state law in California, too, that's a little bit uh, better for us than than federal law. But, for example, I have a case right now where this woman was mixed up. We're not quite sure if it's identity theft or just a mixed file. Both of them have the same name, uh, the same first name and last name, uh, different middle initial, different social security number, different birthday. And a blood test was given to uh, the, the one woman that showed that she was a drug addict and an alcoholic and all this other stuff. And then that that particular one, um, when my client came into that same uh, health uh, facility, they put that blood test into my client's file and just crossed off <laughs> the SSN and put my client's SSN and crossed off the date of birth and crossed off the address, and uh, so then everything after that was like the fruit of the poison tree. You know, everything after that made her look like she was a drug addict and a... <laughs> and and they're saying, well, even if we change the first record, all of the other records can't be changed because that was their, their impressions. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's, um, it, you know, you can see that there's problems. They don't want it necessarily change the records they'll put in your 250 word statement but that could be a real problem because if you're deemed to have a certain um, diagnosis and it really isn't you and your 250 word statement can get lost in the shuffle so there there's some real challenges in trying to get corrected records i don't know if that's been something you've heard about much but it's i i can tell you it's been a real hassle for this particular case yeah indeed I want to tell you about the law that uh, was just enacted in Rhode Island. Um, I worked hard to get it through. Um, as you know, one of the problems, the problem, I think, in causing theft of identity is uh, when an imposter applies for credit in your name and a credit bureau will uh, will furnish a credit report to the retail outlet um, based just on a match of Social Security number, even if the name, date of birth don't match. This bill would require a social a credit bureau to use more than just the social security number, at least two other identifiers like a date of birth, uh, an address, a name, um, a um, uh, employer, lots of other identifiers besides just the social security number. And I believe this will cut down 60% of uh, of identity theft. We'll find out soon enough because 
the Federal Trade Commission does keep data on the state uh, incidences of, uh, of theft of identity. Yes. Yeah, especially if they use the address, because the, the, you know, if they use the address as, as one of the identifiers in the date of birth, that's helpful because the, the uh, identity thief has to change the address to be able to use that credit somewhere else. So the the uh, the address is really the key because in every one of these identity thefts that I've dealt with, the they they may know your social and they may know your birthday, but if they but they're going to change the address so that they can get credit at another address. So using Correct. the the uh, the address is going to be great because if they use a different address, all of a sudden there's going to be a question. Right. Let's talk about the smart grid. You know, I fought that for a really long time until Ann Kavukian came to uh, Southern California and met with San Diego Gas and Electric. And after she met with them and talked about privacy by redesign with them, I finally acquiesced and said, okay, but I was not happy and I'm still not happy. Let's talk about the smart grid and and smart meters. And what about the privacy issues? Well, the concern about the smart grid reminds me of earlier days in my career when colleagues and I uh, worried about the introduction of a nine-digit zip code, of ATM machines, of uh, a barcode pricing in, in grocery stores. They were all similar because we could see the value to them, and they seemed on their face to be neutral in terms of invading people's privacy. And indeed, the way they've worked out, they have not been great invaders of privacy. So... This may work out the same way. It's catching on more in California than in the East, but there is a national mandate, I believe, to have utility companies develop so-called smart grids, which would uh, really customize power usage uh, to each individual home or business so that uh, we could save uh, uh, energy uh, in, in the long run by just providing what people need uh, it does. I uh, hope I don't shock people, but the smart grid does imply, <coughs> excuse me, charging more for people using those services during peak periods. But I think that makes sense. If you can uh, arrange to wash your clothes and fill the swimming pool, et cetera, uh, during non-peak hours, you're going to save some money. To do all of that, you got to keep uh, more sophisticated records, and you need a automatic connection between the utility and the ultimate user of, of the utility. And that's where the concern about personal information comes in. People don't quite trust these connections yet that will provide some information about each household to the utility uh, to in order to measure uh, individualized uh, power usage, um, not just the amount of power that they consume, but also uh, perhaps the type of utilities or type of appliances that they have. So... Uh, Clearly, and Ann Kavukian is right, I hadn't heard the term privacy by redesign, but the utilities have been with us for a long time. But now that they're entering this much more uh, intense stage, they certainly have to have some uh, restrictions, some self-imposed limitations on their use of personal information, and some means for the individual to correct information about the household uh, if it comes to their attention that it is inaccurate. Just to same old principles that we've tried to we've tried to sell for years that ought to be part of any huge data system and that ought to be part of any smart grid system before it's uh, imposed on neighborhoods. 
Right. Well, we only have about one minute left. And I, I just wanted to ask you one thing. You know, people talk about privacy, you know, forget about privacy. You don't have any. And do you believe that? It's my pet peeve when I hear it. I mean, <laughs> among other things, it, it says you and I have been wasting our time for the last several years. But, uh, you know, I, I, it would be much worse if Frank and Smith were not involved in it, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what I tell people. <laughs> Imagine how it would be if we weren't alert. But, uh, no, uh, there's a lot of privacy left, and people have to not only search it out, but they've got to stick up for it and make sure that companies and government agencies uh, know they, they care about it. Uh, it may be that we think kids are giving up their privacy on the Internet day after day, but, in fact, if we're alert, there are still phases of our life that are not known to other people and where we still have lots of autonomy, and we have to fight to preserve that and to expand it. And one way to do that is to read your privacy journal. And so, if yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I'll be happy to send a sample copy to any of your listeners. We've we've heard them from them in the past, and they can go to privacyjournal.net and uh, just click on the link where you can send us an email, and we'll be happy to send you a free sample. Or they can call four zero one two seven four seven eight. Okay, perfect. We'd love to have you on, and we will have you back again real soon. So keep up the great work, Bob. We love you. Thank you you so much. You too. I love you and the show. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. See our upcoming guests, download podcasts. Uh, listen to archived interviews, and write us about what's important to you about your privacy. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.